So a summer ago, not the one we just had, but a summer ago was one of the weirdest and most interesting youth ministry summers I've had. Tiffany and I went on a mission trip without any students. I love hanging out with my wife. It was spectacular. It was weird, though, not having anybody under 18 with us. We even left our own kids, although they are, as you'll hear later, not under 18 anymore. We didn't have camps, at least not the way we are used to having them. We had a camp in the parking lot. I actually did one earlier in the summer where I spoke, another camp in the parking lot, and those were great, and I will affirm any youth pastor or youth leader or youth ministry that was trying to do everything they could to minister to students and to figure out how we do things unlike we've ever done them before, at least in modern youth ministry. It was very weird. But this last weekend, it was wonderful to go back to Lopez and have kickback back up at camp to do games, to eat, to throw pudding at staff people as part of the games, not apart from the games. It's not okay if you do it at the wrong time. To roll people in giant hamster wheels, to move bridges and make a stage out of them. That is a bridge. And to be hungry, hungry hippos yet again. By the way, you don't need to send me that one. We have played it. I am familiar with it, but I will smile every time I get it from here on out. I get emails about that on a regular basis now. As part of it, too, at one point, that's me in the red shirt and the bald head. I'm sure you assume that was me. But uh, at one point, we accidentally decapitated, sorry, children, a unicorn. There was one left. We found it, and we killed it. Not really. There are three more that are still intact, inflatable unicorns as part of the games. But it is not quite youth ministry if you are not tearing a plastic unicorn head off of an inflatable toy to the great delight of the students around you. And you are kept outside but in different ways. And there's just something about traveling as we did with our Denver team this year, cooped up in cars for a long time too long, about being in a cabin where you can talk way too late into the night and doing the things that we normally do. It was exciting to have a regular or somewhat close to it, regular youth ministry again this summer. Sunday night, we tried a couple new things though over the weekend at Kickback and Sunday night we actually have done similar things before usually with worship but we did a chapel outside and under the stars with the passage that I'm going to speak on tonight, or this morning, excuse me, it was tonight, last Sunday. And we spent 45 to 60 minutes in prayer. Students scattered around the field with our staff, walking around the camp, praying at the chapel and at the pool as they wandered around, praying for some specific things at different times. And then spending times in groups praying for each other and having our students praying for the staff. It was a wonderful time. And at the end, I pointed out, not realizing but wondering, not realizing how many of our students had never seen the Milky Way before. Santa Maria is wonderful, but there's so much light pollution. We rarely see the stars if you look up. And I pointed out that the Milky Way was very clear above us to oohs and ahs because many of our kids had not seen that before. It was an amazing time of connecting in community, 
reminding our students of the God that is bigger than the universe around us as we spend time in prayer. Our theme verse and also the verse for that night, our theme verse of seven is going to be the last part that I read, and six is the one that we talked about that night. But is this, Philippians 4, and we'll pick up partway through 5, but 5 through 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, it isn't actually shalom, that's the Hebrew word, it's the Greek word. I always say irene, I think it's pronounced more accurately, accurately irene. Uh, that sounds weird to me because again, I always say irene, but that's the Greek word for peace. But the Jewish word for shalom is richer than most of us think when we talk about peace. So in the United States, when we think peace, we're either reacting to this concept or embracing this concept, the 1960s peace, man. And that's about as far as it goes. If everybody would just be nice to each other, if we could just coexist, or one of the the many things that we mean by peace but tends to be on a very shallow level, but the, the Jewish word shalom is anything but shallow. It is a deep theological word for peace that is very complicated. I'm going to give you my practical definition. That doesn't mean that there is all that could be said about this. For one thing, I still don't really get into the word peace itself, just what some of what that word means and what shalom means. But you could get into how much grace is a part of peace. That's in my definition, but I could spell it out even more. But here's my practical definition, and we went through this multiple times throughout the weekend. It's enjoying peace, shalom, enjoying peace in God's sovereignty through right relationship with him during the good times and the hardest of times. And if you grab that concept of peace, whether it's the Greek word irene or the Hebrew word shalom, then you're starting to get into the biblical territory of what God means when he encourages us to find peace in him. Or when scripture talks about being at peace. I'll read that again. I'm not going to read it as many times for you all as I did for my students. But here's my, this is just my practical definition for shalom. At least the one I'll give you today. Ask me in two years. It'll probably tweak a little bit. But it'll be close to this. Enjoying peace in God's sovereignty, his power and his kingship. God's sovereignty through right relationship with him. During the good times and the hardest of times. So verse 7 again, think of that when I say peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in this passage, shalom is said to be beyond understanding. If you enjoy biblical peace, the world around you is not going to understand it. Because they can't describe it. They can't explain it. They don't know why you have it when they don't think that you should. And Paul, to the Philippians, is recognizing that. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. You might even not be able to grasp how you can have peace 
in some of the situations that you'll encounter in life if you're walking through them with Christ. Because it doesn't always make sense. At least it doesn't make sense apart from Christ. But that's the point. It's only peace that you find through Christ. And it's beyond understanding. It will also, by the way, guard your heart and your minds. If you've heard me talk for any amount of time, you've probably heard me reference the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Well, two of those just popped up here. The Shema is connected to peace. The Shema, by the way, is a significant verse in the Old Testament. Jesus quotes it in Matthew 22, those of you who haven't heard me talk about it. When he's asked about the best law, he goes to the Shema. And then he tacks on that we are to love our neighbor. But shalom not only is beyond understanding, peace is not only beyond understanding, it also guards our hearts and our minds. Think about how significant that is in our current climate. That our heart and our minds are guarded by peace and shalom through enjoying God's sovereignty and being in right relationship with him no matter what's taking place around us. That our hearts and minds are guarded. That we have peace. And again, it only comes through Christ. Without Christ, we do not have shalom. If you do not know Christ and you're in this room, you do not have this promise of peace. You do not have a biblical promise of peace. You might enjoy peace for a day or a time, but you do not have the depth of peace which God is promising to the life of somebody who is his. And if you've never heard the gospel, it really is this simple, as simple as John 3.16, and as in-depth and complicated as Paul's argument in Romans 1-11. through But it's this, that Jesus paid the price for your sin, that anybody who puts their faith in him rather than their own goodness and works will be saved. So if you are in this room and you realize, I don't know that peace and I want it, then you need to look to Christ. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Give me your peace. Put me in right relationship with you. I, put, I trust in you. It is that simple. You look at Christ and you say, going back two years, by the way, the good shepherd theme with our youth group, and you say, I will follow you. You are my good shepherd. You have saved me and I put my faith in you. That's the gospel. If you've never responded to that and you want to, just pray to God right now and say, Lord, forgive me. Show me your peace. And then please tell one of us afterwards. But apart from Christ, we do not have peace. With Christ, we can have peace, shalom, at all times. But then last Sunday night, we went to verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. First part of that is actually in 5b, the Lord is at hand. God is near. God is with us. 
But then it says, do not be anxious. And Christian, if you do not enjoy shalom, God has an answer for you. And it's to pray. I want to make it clear, I'm not talking about clinical anxiety or or depression. And I don't think scripture is here either. To be certain, in dealing with clinical anxiety or depression, while seeing a, a Christian counselor, I would encourage, and I'm a total fan of mental health, you still need to start with that with prayer. And it needs to be saturated with prayer. You need to biblically meditate upon God's word and think about verses that remind you of peace and shalom in Christ. But I think this is just talking to the anxiety that we all face and endure. We're worried about the world around us. Things are going differently than we expect or think that they should. And we are concerned. And so God tells us how to deal with that. He says to find shalom through praying about what worries you. I made a list of some of the things that I have seen or I, people struggle with. Or some of these are even things that have stressed me out. Starting with the obvious pandemics and lockdowns. We should be praying right now and hopefully you are and I know many of you have been and that includes by the way praying about our own attitude and responses to it to one more thing that the state of California says or changes to the next time you're having a conversation and you are frustrated at the person on the other side of it and having to think through how you are going to Address this or that with them, but also how you are going to honor Christ through that. Pray like crazy, but we should already be doing that. Our finances, pray over budgets, pray over your expenses, pray over giving, as 2 Corinthians has been talking about. Pray over generosity as God challenges us to be generous people. Pray over needs and pray over shortcomings. That's the one we might be most faithful in praying about. God, I'm panicked because I don't have enough. But we should be praying about every aspect of finances. Pray over relationship conflict. Pray this way. Pray for their blessing, for shalom of the person that you're in conflict conflict with. By the way, if you and I are ever at odds with each other, I'm, I'm going to be, you can have confidence in this, I'll be praying two things. For you, in particular. Well, one, I guess, is about the conflict in general, and it's this. That God will resolve the conflict for his kingdom's best. I don't pray for my way when I'm in conflict with you. I think I'm right, or I would change my mind. But I'm praying for God's kingdom. I hope you are, too, whenever you're in conflict with me or with anybody else. That one's the scary one, by the way. That requires a little bit of shalom in itself because when you pray for God to do the best for his kingdom and you're in conflict with somebody, he might move you or remove you or me. I had a seminary professor talk to us about that one day. He said that that's going to be maybe the scariest prayer you'll ever face. And you don't realize it right now, but there's going to come a time when you are at major obstacles with somebody else and the answer might be removing somebody and know this when you pray that the consequences can be massive 
including for you. But it's also the best prayer. Because shouldn't we always want God's kingdom? It's literally in the Lord's prayer, which I'll talk about later. But I pray that, that God would resolve the conflict for the kingdom's best, whether that's my opinion or not, in that particular conflict. The other one, though, is this. And this is a family perspective. I pray that God would bless you. Not me. I mean, I'm praying for that all the time anyway. God bless me today. Huh, give me a good day. Give me an easy day. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I pray for an easy day, and it isn't an easy day, but it is a good day. It's always a good, well, it's usually a good day. On God's part, it is always a good day. On this world's part, sometimes not what we would call a good day, but it is always a blessed day when God is with us, even in the hardest of times. But I pray for the blessing of whoever I'm in a conflict with. I hope you're praying those same two things especially for me in the midst of a disagreement. What about a work conflict? Same thing. It's a relationship. But also pray this way. Pray for shalom for your annoying boss or coworker. And you know who I'm talking about because you have some of them. But have you ever paused and prayed for their blessing? They're making you anxious or you wouldn't be praying for them, at least not in that regard. But take that anxiety and pray for shalom. Shalom between the two of you. Peace between the two of you. But also, shalom in their life. Pray for the best at their home. Pray for their advancement or their work best. Or their improvement if it really is an issue that is a glaring fault on their own. If you have a workplace that you hate, pray that God would bless that workplace. And maybe he finds you a new job, but whether you're there or gone, maybe he makes that a better place to work, not just for you, but for everyone involved. So pray for that annoying boss or coworker. Also have the perspective to know that you might be that annoying boss or coworker. And maybe Shalom is making you a better boss or a better co-worker. How about your family? I'm told, I don't know this yet, but I'm told that today is Grandparents' Day. I mean, I know on my calendar, but I don't experience it. We all know how much Christian grandparents are praying for their kids and their grandkids. There are songs upon songs and story upon story written and told about how Grandma prayed and prayed and prayed for a lifetime that one of her family members would start walking with Christ or that this part or that part of their life that made them anxious would be fixed and find shalom. Grandparents are amazing. Grandparents keep praying. We need you praying. We take it for granted. And that's a good thing keep praying. If you are a grandparent and you are not praying, start praying. I know your family makes you anxious. I sometimes hear you pray about them, and it's because you love them, and that's a good love and a good action. How about adult kids that are praying for their aging parents? It is grandparents' day after all. 
when that point in life starts to change and the matriarch or patriarch is still there but needing more help, perhaps begrudgingly so, from their adult kids, I know that you too are praying because I likewise have heard you pray about that. Of course, parents praying for their kids, spouses praying for their marriages, singles praying often to find family connection in a church family when their biological families are distant and so many other things that we pray about. One more though, teens and kids, are you praying for your parents? If not, you should start. They need prayer too. Maybe even because of that parent-child conflict that's happening. Pray for shalom for your parents. Here's the cool thing. If somebody finds shalom, it usually goes better for the entire circle of people around them. And by usually, I mean always. It always goes better for the entire circle of people around them to have found shalom through Christ and right relationship with God. My family, I'll get real personal. You can, well, not real personal. I just panicked the front row over there. I'll get personal and ask you all to be praying for us. We would love to have you pray for us. I just dropped off Isaac. That's our middle child at Grand Canyon University in Arizona. And we have discovered a new kind of angst that many of us, many of you have preceded us in. And I've already, in a week's time, experienced joys I didn't expect and also, not panic, but concern. Of What did I just do? I left my child a state across and I paid somebody for that privilege. And I'm constantly thinking that through. In good ways, that's the life of a parent. But pray for Isaac for a good few years at Grand Canyon until graduation. Pray for Nathan. He just had his two best friends leave town. Isaac's one of them. I actually had to pause the middle of this week. I'm <laughs> coming off a kickback. Life is crazy. And I paused and went back to writing because I had to work through some things thinking about that. Pray for me. Pray for him. Pray for our family. Pray for Caitlin. She's joined Nathan at Hancock. And those who've been around long enough, yep. All three of them are 18, out of high school, and going to college. That's crazy, because some of you remember when I walked Nathan in as a baby the week he was born. I certainly do. And yes, that entire row, I owe you something out of the fridge. You don't have to ask, just go get it. And we'll be going to lunch. Pray for my family. We would appreciate it. There are so many things that can make us anxious. That just means there's so many things that we can and should be praying about. Every anxiety is an opportunity to pause and pray. It's an opportunity to connect with somebody else and say, would you pre please pray for me? I need somebody else praying. I can't be alone in this. Just don't turn gossip into prayer and parents of teenagers and 20-somethings and 30 and 40-somethings, especially keep that in mind. Don't share their business beyond where you should in trying to find someone to also be praying for them. But there are so many opportunities to pray. In fact, if you get distracted as I continue through this, grab one of those papers in your worship folder and just start making a list. You can take it to a Sunday school class later, and they would love to pray with you. Maybe not the entire list. It depends on how far you get but a couple things on the list. 
an opportunity to pray. In particular, though, we need to find shalom through the spiritual discipline of prayer. Not just when it randomly pops up or we think about it, but regularly heading off some of that anxiety or tempering that anxiety that we could have because we are constantly and regularly in prayer. I'd encourage you, come up with a prayer plan. Who and what are you praying for? I just ran through a list. Copy that one if you need to. But write their names down for the times you have to look at it. You don't always have to look. But when you can't remember, anybody have this moment? You go to pray and you think, I don't know what to pray for. Well, it's certainly not because you don't have things to pray for. It's because your brain just isn't like clicking yet, especially those of us who pray early in the morning. Sometimes that brain's not ready to go when it's time to go. And you grab a list if your eyes are working yet. If you haven't had your coffee, you might have to have coffee first. And you just start going through your list intentionally. Think through who and what you are praying for and write it down somewhere in case you need it. Think through when you're going to pray, where as well, and for how long you'll pray. It matters when and where. I can't pray in our front room like my grandma and my dad did. There's too much distraction. So I have to find a different place to pray. I don't even try to go there anymore. I used to because it was a better spot. And because I wanted my, I shared about this last weekend with our youth group. I wanted my kids to see what I saw in my grandma and my dad. Walking out in the morning and seeing them reading their Bible and praying. Granted, grandma was sometimes sleeping. But she was praying first. She fell asleep while praying. By the way, what better way to fall back asleep? God's okay with that. Just because we see him chastise the disciples in a particular moment in the garden does not mean he's got a problem with you praying to sleep each night. Those are different moments. If Jesus ever tells you, stay awake and pray right now, don't fall asleep then, and you will. But otherwise, fall asleep praying. What better way to fall asleep than praying in the arms of your good shepherd? Think through the when and for how long. Never, by the way, are we commanded in Scripture to pray for an hour or more. I'm not saying you can't. Don't, I mean, those of you who do, continue. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying you don't have to. Praying for one hour is not the epitome of holiness or obedience. That said, many holy people I know will pray that long. So, again, don't let me keep you from that, but take that guilt off. We are commanded to pray regularly and unceasingly, but that's as far as Scripture goes. Take the pressure off and just think through when you're going to regularly pray and then how to pray unceasingly. I've used this before, and I had the quote then. I couldn't find it this week, but I'm going to paraphrase it anyways. My first sabbatical, I bumped into a Spurgeon sermon where he talked about prayer, and he basically said, we should pray like we eat. When there's a need or you're hungry, you eat. Pray the same way. There's a need or a desire to pray, then you should stop and pray. It's really rather simple when you put it that way. 
So a prayer plan. Another thing would be, I kind of already mentioned this, I did already mention, but, but make a prayer list, or those of you that like to, make a prayer journal where you actually write it out in kind of long form. Those are great to go back to, especially journals. I am not, despite liking to write, I do not journal, but my dad does, and he loves going back to it and seeing what God has done. Pray through the Lord's Prayer. If you don't know what to pray, there are a lot of tools for thinking through prayer, but if you don't know what to pray, pray through the Lord's Prayer. Specifically, you can say the Lord's Prayer. Don't think that by repeating it over and over and over or saying it mindlessly that it magically does anything, but as a formula for prayer, as a model for prayer, it's great. For one thing, it's short. When Jesus is teaching Peter how to pray, he did not set that hour out there as a standard because he knew Peter. I love Peter. But he's like, eh, Peter, you got the one-hour prayer coming up at the end, and I already know how that one's going to go. But, like, let's just go for a 30-second prayer, 15 if you say it fast. But think through what it says. Praise and adoration. Worship God. Pray for his kingdom. If you can't think of anything else to pray, just pray for God's kingdom to take place throughout your day and then break down your day. Lord, your will be done at breakfast. Your will be done as I drop off my kids at school and we argue again. But let your will be done in that disagreement or maybe when we sit in the car, may your will be done and we don't argue today. Maybe because I don't start it. Or I have more grace when they start it. Lord, your kingdom be done at work while I work as if you're my boss instead of the bozo that I work for. And Lord, forgive me for calling him a bozo. Or for calling her a bozo. Or for calling all of them bozos. Forgive me. Your kingdom and my attitude towards work. I love, by the way, that whenever I use those illustrations, it does not apply in our office. I do not feel that way about working here at Grace. Also, I never feel the way about my uncle that most people do. I have an awesome uncle. Uh, so if I ever use those illustrations, it's just because I know people are familiar with them. Confession. The Lord's Prayer, if you forgot where we were. Praying through the Lord's Prayer, it has confession. Lord, forgive me. And then it has forgiveness a second time because it includes a challenge that I would forgive them. It doesn't leave it as, Lord, you and I are right. It turns it. Jesus in the model of prayer turns it to, hey, guys, make sure you pray through being right with the other disciples and the people that you're going to encounter on the road today. So praise, kingdom, confession, and then finally it gets to request and need, which is where we spend most of our time. If you don't have any needs to pray for, by the way, just praise God. God, you're amazing. Pray through a worship song. By the way, worship is a form of prayer. You knew that, right? So worship times count as prayer. You could do your prayer in the morning just singing worship songs because you're talking to God. You're just doing it musically. It's like God put you in a musical, add a couple dance moves, and you got West Side Story taking place. 
which is coming back to the movie theaters again soon. If you didn't know that, Steven Spielberg is remaking West Side Story. Pray through the Lord's Prayer. Pray shalom over your life and the lives of those that you're going to encounter throughout the day. That's how we should pray. So let's talk for a few minutes about some of the ways that grace is praying. Our staff meetings, we pray. We even pause staff meeting from time to time when we talk about something that's coming up and, or something that's going on in somebody's life or somebody's having a surgery. We'll stop and pray. Then we'll pray again later when we plan to pray at the end. And we pray at the beginning. That's our staff meeting. Elders and our deacons, they pray. Our search committee has prayer built into it three times. Beginning, pausing in the middle intentionally every time to pray. And then praying at the end. Our kids ministry, I'd encourage you. Okay, make sure you know them. It's creepy if you don't know them. Or, or find one of their parents. If you don't know any kids, find a parent and then ask them to, to kind of help you so it's not weird for our kids in the hallways after this. But go find any of our kids and ask them what interdigitate means. And parents, you already know. Or ask them why Mrs. Winger teaches them to pray this way and what it's supposed to remind them with their hands open. Our kids' ministry is teaching them how to pray. Ask Paula Harder, already mentioned today. Some of the creative ways that they're teaching kids to pray so that kids don't think prayer is boring. And by the way, the only, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be teaching kids and students that, but the only thing that we need to realize prayer is not boring is to understand the power of the one that we are talking to. And then we can make it fun too. But talk to our kids' ministry. Find out what's going on in our youth ministry. I just got an email, by the way, after I typed this up and kind of walked away from it and just looked it over a couple times like, like I do, but I finish it on Thursday usually. I got an email after that from one of our students on the mission trip that said, hey, I don't remember if I told you, but I was praying for God to send help. Oh, it was because of a critter. There was, there was a critter on the, on the mission trip, and they didn't want to take care of it. And that was when you knocked on the door to check and see how we were doing. And it was a little thing, but that's God answering a little prayer. And yes, that's God answering a little prayer. And yes, by the way, my youth pastor heart was thrilled to get that email. And they go, wow, it makes a difference. It's really cool. Every Sunday school and every Tuesday night, we include prayer in our small group times. There's, here's a picture of it. I think that one in particular, we were praying for Noah. But it is fun when we see those. Usually we split up and we aren't all together in small groups in the same room when we do that. But we stop and we pray all the time. Right now, we don't have worship in Sunday school. So we've been sending kids out about every other week, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but prayer walking the property. You all don't know that because it's after you're sitting in your Sunday school classes or for the 1030 service there in here. And we tell them to be quiet so they don't disrupt anything, but we send them walking through the hallways or walking around the parking lot to pray for a few minutes. All the time when we were on a trip and away, the missions trip was an example of this, but especially Wildwood, our group that's away pauses on Tuesday nights to pray for those back home. 
And at, at Wildwood, it's actually taking about an hour, maybe a little more, out of their free time to go pray for about 30 minutes at a place called the Little Brown Church at Hume Lake. They spend time praying for the teachers that are speaking that night, for the worship leaders, for the students that are making the decision whether to go or to stay home that night. They pray for kids by name, and they pray for the group as a whole. And we make sure, in case you're wondering, please, I hope it's not, not about me. It's not in a gossipy way. It's, about a shalom, it's in a shalom way. We don't usually use that word, but maybe we'll start. And then, this has caught some of your attention, but whenever we hear sirens, we stop and we pray for our first responders, including, usually, for their home life, that they would enjoy shalom. Prayer is woven into the fabric of grace, and I want to encourage you in that. Another example is, how many times have you heard Benji talk about his kids reminding their family to pray? That's because the Magnuses have taught them to pray to the point that their kids remind them if they forget. But it's also because Benji is teaching us to pray, even when he's not doing a sermon on prayer. When those illustrations pop up, he's teaching us how to pray as a family. And it is woven throughout Awana and kids' men in Sunday school classes for adult and teens alike as well as through our own service. We just did a prayer of confession and the other times that we pray. Here's some opportunities that you can get involved in prayer at Grace. We just had an announcement. September 26th, there's a night of prayer and worship. Join us. Also, the Saturday of the Missions Conference. Join us then. So back-to-back prayer nights and times. On Sunday, there's a 5.30 prayer group. There's a group that walks the parking lot in prayer. The 5.30 prayer group meets in 7.04, or you can walk that parking lot on your own or with other people. There's a Wednesday night prayer time. Go ask Randy about how big a difference he thinks prayer made last year having that prayer group on Wednesday nights for his Awana ministry. I've heard him talk about that multiple times. He wants it to continue, so keep it up. There's a Thursday night prayer time for people in Muslim countries. There's a pre-service prayer time. Anybody ever make it? There's not a lot of us. Anybody ever make it early enough to see the worship team pray? They stop practicing and they pray up here. What if there was a group that was praying down here before the service too? Or if it's just you, What if you looked up with those puppy dog eyes that we all can get at the worship team begging to be able to join them? (laughs) I bet they would. And if there's a lot, then we have two groups praying at the same time. Sunday school and small groups pray, get connected. You're here at 9 a.m. Go find one at 1030. I emailed all of the Sunday school classes and asked them to put a little bit of extra time in for prayer today specifically. So if you've been writing any prayer requests down and you think, I don't have anybody to pray with, yes, you do. Go find them at 1030. There's a couple Sunday school classes around this building, and they would love to have you join them. You can't take over with your entire list, but at prayer time, you can share a couple, and they would love to pray with you. 
We have a prayer list in the worship folder every single week. We have a prayer email chain that gets sent out. Make sure you pay attention to those and for the email that you're signed up. We have a prayer room right on the other side of coffee. Don't just get your coffee fix. You can hop in a room and pray with some people or on your own, depending on if you go with a group of friends or you go in there and it's just you. And there's so much more prayer that is happening at Grace. We've done this twice as a staff now, but we've written down all the ways that we're praying at Grace, and it fills the whiteboard or the sheet of paper or two or three or whatever we're doing. Find a way to partner with Grace in prayer, and if there's a place that you think we can pray more, help form it. Start praying and invite others to join you. Today specifically, I just saw this last night, between services right up this hallway outside the threes classroom, uh, Heidi Miller, who was up here before, is inviting private, public, and homeschool teachers, that's everybody who's a teacher, to join in prayer there because of back to school. Our youth group pretty soon will be doing See You at the Pole, a national prayer emphasis for students to go pray on their campuses. We need to have a discipline of prayer, though, not just wait for it to happen. So prayerless and regular prayer. The other one, though, this is prayer without ceasing. When you find a need, somebody asks you to pray in the hallway. Remember to pray for them later, but pray then. Instantly pray. You can pray while driving. Please keep your eyes open. You can pray in a grocery store. They can't do anything about it. They can't really stop you. I mean, if you have an hour prayer service in the grocery store, they could stop that. But if you pray quickly with somebody in the grocery store, by the time they find out you're praying, if they didn't want you to pray, you'd be done. So what are they going to do? Tell you not to come back? Okay, there's another grocery store. Get used to praying constantly, both intentionally with set times and spontaneously whenever there is a particular need. One more thing about prayer, I alluded to it before. Remember answered prayer, to be thankful. And I have one in particular, I don't even know if I'm allowed to share, I didn't have a chance to ask anybody. I don't believe in the better to ask forgiveness than permission thing, but I do make unilateral decisions sometimes. So, as of tomorrow or last Thursday, Friday, we make a payment that drops us below a million dollars in debt on the building. That's a, yeah, feel free, applaud, clap. That's a praise, and we're shooting for zero. <laughs> and we'll have a celebration when we do, hopefully, one that includes, and know, I know it will, will include prayer. Next week, by the way, here's my title, unless I tweak it this week. It's at peace, at shalom, with fasting. And the with is intentional there. You might pray about that one. <laughs> for me as I prepare it, for y'all as you prepare for it and also hear it from me. But let me close with, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Benedictions after one more song. I'll just pray right now. Lord, we praise your name. Make us a praying people because we can't stop talking to you. Make us a praying people because there are so many things to be anxious for. And that anxiety could cripple us. 
But Lord, if we understand your power and if we are in right relationship with you, those anxiety-causing issues are just opportunities to pray. Or if not just, then at least they are opportunities to pray. Lord, make us quick to pray. Make us regular in our coming to prayer. Lord, help us to understand that we are in right relationship with the God who controls the universe. We praise your name. Amen.